This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, we're joined by comedian Esteban Gast. Esteban is a good friend of ours. He's a comedian. He's an entertainer. He's a fantastic storyteller, and we're really excited to have him on the show. Now, this is our first time having a guest on the show since we've been quarantined, so we're doing it digitally. So just bear with us because we're not in the same room. We dive into his story and his journey as a creator, but also talk about the role that comedy and storytelling play during times like these. Now, before we start this episode, we also wanted to play a voice message from one of you. Hi, Collins. I'm Shrita, S-H-R-E-E-J-A. I'm from a tiny little city in India named Bhopal. I'm 16 years old, and I love books, podcasts, video editing, and somehow yoga. I love you too and your videos. You two are really good talkers. Oh my god interviewers i found you through yes theory if that's not a surprise everyone who appears in their videos are somehow very cool and dope great and also i have a book recommendation for you it is the autobiography of a yogi if you have not read it by paramhansa yogananda i think so it's amazing and it also helps in meditation thank you bye for now peace also 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 say hi to thomas bragg from me because he is my favorite bye peace Thanks for that note, Trita. I wanted to play that one because I actually have family that lives in Bhopal in India, which is pretty wild. Uh, and also, all of my family has read Autobiography of a Yogi. So uh, th- the funny thing is to have someone who's listening from all the way across the world. Crazy thing is to have someone who's listening from all the way across the world and have so much in common just makes us realize that even though we are so physically disconnected right now, uh, to be able to have community through this podcast and through our YouTube channel, that's what makes us so connected. And we all have a lot more in common than we think. So thanks for the voice message, and next time I see Thomas Bragg, I will say hello for you. All right, we hope you enjoy this episode of the Colin and Samir podcast featuring Esteban Gast. All right, here we are on the interwebs with Esteban Gast, our first guest of the, uh, of the social distancing era. Uh, and this is, uh, this is our new way of podcasting, which is, which is actually more challenging than I anticipated because we're all not in the same room. Uh, there's some technical difficulties, but then there's also the social cues of knowing when to speak when there's three of us. Um, so Esteban is a local comedian, entrepreneur, educator, entertainer, Colombian, all the all the above. That is, I'm reading that straight off his website. So uh, Esteban, welcome to the show. Oh my god! Oh. Why, don't, why don't you uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, in, the, in the way that, uh, that that you want to introduce yourself. No, now I realize I need to make my website uh, reflect that I am not as cool as all of those words. I'm going to go back and be like, a eh, guy who tries. <laughs> Try guy. Um, no, this is great. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is really exciting. It's fun to sit in a room and pretend we're all together. I want you to, I'm making equal facial expressions as if we were together. Okay, that's good. That's good enough. Yeah. yeah, and I'm looking, uh, there's like a water bottle set up, and I wrote Samir and Colin on one of them, and I look at them, and I nod, and I look at them for approval, so it's like we're here. Uh, you can build this at home. I'm selling this merch. Uh, check it out. Uh, Perfect. No, it, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I've, my life has been, has been w- weird. <laughs> it's been a just weird you? life. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe everyone, is everyone here? Are we all, what are we doing? Uh <laughs> But I, I have, I just, I feel like I've lived uh, different lives. Like I, I was in the classroom for a bit. I was 
all in the world of education and got to do fun stuff like write a book and and do all these different things. And then I was super in entertainment side and was doing stuff as a stand-up and touring as a stand-up. And, uh, and recently, I think what I figured out is, is there's parallels between the two. And, and I've really thought about this intersection of education and entertainment. So where those two come together, what it is to make um, entertaining uh, educational content, what it is to tell really interesting stories. I think stories matter a lot. So, so that is, that's sort of where I've landed. And I am Colombian. Good point. Thank you. I didn't realize that was so prominent on my website. <laughs> like Esteban Gast, a Colombian man. <laughs> and they're like, is he selling anything? Just... Uh, but yeah, I was born to Colombian parents. Uh, grew up the early years of my life in Puerto Rico, then li- lived Chicago and Chicago land, and then spent time in, in literally uh, rural Illinois, and Lincoln, Nebraska, and the jungles of Panama. So I sort of lived I, I like to think it's a it's a confusing cultural scramble from from the very beginning. I was born and I was like, who am I? The jungles so, of Panama is a cool thing to be able to throw out. I'll tell you. I just can't wait till we get to that yeah. story, Colin. Because th- the thing is, Colin doesn't know that story from Esteban, and uh, I'm just so excited that everyone on this podcast gets to hear it for the first time, including Colin. That's um, just amazing because some people awesome. some people say like yeah I spent some time in the suburbs of New Jersey like me <laughs> but not many people get to say the jungles of Panama yeah, yeah. it's once we get there I like that we're yeah. teasing it out so yeah because um, that's a fun that's a fun story yeah um, but you know Esteban I think that the one of the big things of course we wanted to record um, with you for some time but what what made it feel so relevant right now is I feel like a lot of my conversations with you have been around, you know, between education and and entertainment and comedy, almost this intersection of um, entertainment and also personal growth and personal development, um, which is which is a really cool angle and and almost uh, therapeutic in a way. A lot of the times that I've I've you know spent time with you and when we've done. Uh, play games or, or made up songs or, or whatever it is, there's like a, there's an element to it that feels different. And it feels like you're coming at it, coming at comedy from a different angle. Um, so how, how much of, I guess that, first of all, do you agree with that? And then second, where did that influence into your entertainment come from? Yeah. Um, wow. That's, uh, that's very nice. Thanks for saying that. Um, I will have you over much more often once this is done, if you continue <laughs> to publicly compliment me in right. such thoughtful ways. Um, that's incredible. Uh, no, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and I think that's very generous, but, but I, I also think that y- you are onto something. I think the way that I think about comedy or performing or just stories, um, I think one of the things that happen when you feel a little bit of an outsider, if it's moving or if it's, if it's different sort of cultural context and in, in going to a new cultural context is, is I think you, you want to create art or you want to create containers that help people feel included. Right. So I think sometimes there's, there's comedy that makes people feel um, that makes people feel like, Oh, look at those dummies. Look at them and like pointing and laughing uh, and like throwing, you know, shooting spitballs at the weirdos. And I think there's comedy that says like, Hey, we're all in this together. So I, I, I think about that a lot. I, um, and I, I think I, I was reflecting on this and, and sort of thinking of, I was thinking about the power of stories and thinking it, it 
this this story that I've I've told uh, a few times of of uh, it was junior high school and I was uh, I tried out for the basketball team because that's what you did if you wanted to be cool course uh so i tried out for the basketball team uh and everyone had it i i lived in in uh this like fancy part of fancy neighborhood but we were in the neighborhood that wasn't fancy and this fancy neighborhood if this makes sense so we go and everyone uh everyone in the basketball team has adidas tracy mcgrady's you remember t-mac shoes they were really colorful they're like 200 dollars uh everyone tries out with them i don't make the team uh which is not a surprise um but I do get bullied for having Kmart shoes, which is a bit of a surprise. Uh, so then that night, I remember spray painting my shoes and being like, you know what? Like, I I get to decide who what's in, and and I want like, I'm I'm baffled at the thought of just expensive shoes means you're cool, um, or or means you're in. So the next day I wore these spray painted shoes and I had like all the confidence in the world, even though I didn't, but, but outwardly I was like, this is cool. I like kept believing right. it. Uh, and a few days later I kept doing this and people, and I just like was telling everyone that this is what you do. And a few days later, some of the kids who had these $200 Tracy McGrady shoes were spray painting their shoes to make them like mine, like other people had done it. It was like mean girls ish, except I was not that cool. So it was a very uh, exciting moment. And wow, so you should add trendsetter to your website is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm just gonna have that word. <laughs> was it yeah, is yeah. that was that story to let us know that you were a trendsetter in junior high? Are what we I'm just workshopping your website copy right now? <laughs> yeah, this is so helpful. I'm gonna have a new website by the end of this. I need to delete the one that just says Esteban Gast Colombian. Uh, right. and now replace it. Yeah. Uh but I remember I remember thinking that I was like, oh yeah, like cultural norms can be set um and and stories can sort of shift the way that we interact with the world and how much better the world is if the cool people are the people who are just silly and creative and mm. uh and just like do their own thing right and, and this was in, in junior high and and i think obviously i don't think i synthesized it that beautifully in that moment i just looked out a window in junior high and i said wait a minute you and i have the ability to shape our world uh, <laughs> no, i was like oh that's cool um, right. But totally, but the way I think about that is that it's like of what if when we hang out and or when we do a comedy show, when I host an event or anything like that, it's like the only thing that matters is people are just themselves and weird and silly, and that is what wins, not who has cool clothes or not who is good looking or not who comes from what and so and so family. Like the only thing that matters is that we're ourselves and that is the freaking best thing we can do. So I, I right. totally I think about that and I think I, yeah, I actually think about this a ton. Like I, I speak at schools um, as a youth speaker and, and different things. And I like often intentionally, I'm like, I don't want to wear like a Nike shirt. Cause I remember thinking like, you know, like that was a thing that made you go. And I was like, what if I just go and I don't like, don't look that good. And mm -hmm. I'm like the cool guy who spoke and people are like, oh, you can wear whatever, <laughs> just jeans and a shirt or whatever. Right. Right? I, I, obviously, I worry more about the message than what I'm wearing. But it, but these are things that I think about because I think that's like, it's life. It's it's the real experience of a junior high kid or a high school kid, kids that I'm talking to. Anywho, we're totally off the rails tangent. But but I see what you're saying. I think I think it's all about um, you know, n normalization and like the more you see something, the more normal um it becomes, and the more you start to accept it. And I think a lot of that right now is communicated, especially in this time that we're experiencing a new normal uh, and trying to cope with the fact that this is normal. 
a lot of that is communicated through social media right now and specifically through memes. Uh, memes seem to normalize our experience better than anything, um, for me at least, because I turn to them to realize like, oh yeah, we're all having a collective experience. Like when something is that relatable, it makes you recognize that you're not, you're less alone. Totally. Um, I, I saw and that, in, the um, comedy, yeah, the comedy really helps, you know, make you feel less alone. The fact that you can laugh about, you know, some of the discomfort that we're all feeling. Yeah, I, I saw this, this interview with Stephen Colbert and he said that he views his primary job as to comfort people that they're not alone and they're not going crazy. Like he's like, especially with all the current events and everything, he's like, I just hope that my little corner of the internet is, and, and of TV, is like, you're not going crazy. You are okay. And I love that. Like, how cool is that? That, to me, seems, yeah, is like the thesis of the comedy that I hope to produce in the world. And not even just the comedy, just all the sort of things that I'm, I'm creating. Because I think there's, there's you know, com- there's, comedy is just such a huge thing and there's so much. But I think I saw that quote and I was like, oh, yeah, that. Like, he said into words the things that I, that I really want to do. I think it's such an interesting time. Like, you mentioned the, the late night hosts. Like, I love seeing Jimmy Fallon right now at home with his kids struggling to get through his monologue and reading off the paper. Like, there's something so raw about it, and I don't know if that's intentional, like it is with you maybe not wearing a Nike shirt. You know, I don't know if it's an intentional choice to maybe, like, show that much and be that raw, but there is something about the comedy that we're seeing from late night hosts uh, that is so comforting, like with Colbert, like with Jimmy yeah, Fallon. I, I think it's it so is. raw and, like, relatable right now. I think it is intentional. Uh, by the way, shout out to your latest video on Late Night Hosts. What a blast. Learned, <laughs> Thank laughed, you. had a blast. Thank uh, you, Esteban. Um, quick note, not our latest video. We released uh, yeah. one today. Um, you know? Yes. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Just uh, <laughs> you know, would, would, would appreciate if you were up to date on our, on our channel. <laughs> Well, uh, but you no, didn't, you I'm, didn't introduce I, me as trendsetter, and that's what my website right. says to me. So. <laughs> right. uh, no, but but I do okay. think that's intentional. I think I think right now, to like one of the great like if comedy is about illuminating truths, one of the greatest like truth that you can illuminate is oh my goodness, this is weird, and I'm also struggling to show the new normal. So it's like yeah, I'll make jokes. Yes, I'll sing a song. But I will do that in a way that authentically represents the current moment. And the, and the current moment, even for people like Jimmy Fallon, who has more money than like we will ever, generational wealth from telling jokes mm-hmm. in a huge house, is that his kids still climb all over him and he still looks tired. And he, yeah. he you know, like that's so incredible. And that makes the jokes that he's saying feel more real. Feel like you're like, yeah, you get it, man. You're here with us. Right. Yeah, that's such a powerful thing that you're here with us. Um, It's more, I've never felt like this before, where the whole nation feels like we're having a collective conversation and a collective experience. I mean, arguably the whole world, um, but specifically here, you know, the late night hosts and kind of these entertainers, I personally feel like I've always turned to to help make sense of the world and things that are happening. and the fact that everyone is so stripped down to the extent that everything is that familiar, you know, like I can see them sitting in their kitchen or in their house and it's, it's like as familiar as I, I can recognize the set is this very interesting moment. And it's coming at the intersection where we have the tools to share these stories. 
um, you know, whether it's through an Instagram meme where, where you can relate to it or through Jimmy Fallon sitting in his kitchen and delivering a monologue. Um, but the thing that binds it all together is that it's, it's all comedy. Um, and I thought one thing I, I was reading that some of the notes that you had sent over prior to this podcast, and one of the notes was about the equation, uh, for comedy, I guess, uh, which I think you had quantified as, and I don't want to butcher this because this is your yeah. Your thing, well, this but, is uh, this is yeah. Like, go, go ahead with it. A lot uh, of a lot of comedians have said this. I I looked it up and it's like it, just a bunch of people, but it's it's uh, it's comedy equals tragedy plus time. So it's comedy so, equals tragedy plus time, and and yeah, sorry. So the the question I have based on that equation right now is how much time needs to pass for tragedy to become comedy and are we living in such a short like is 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 the cycle of time so short now because of social media and stuff that comedy becomes acceptable a lot quicker uh or do we need comedy so badly right now during this kind of strange time that that time period is like very accelerated like yeah. we we went to comedy within 4 days of getting quarantined right the, the only thing i would argue though is that we are in a period right now where there's still an opportunity for such light comedy because the majority of people who are experiencing this are healthy and experiencing it. Like the funny thing is like, Oh my gosh, I'm at work and my kids are here running all over my face or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's, this is a very interesting global situation. I feel like where there is this huge window for comedy because the discomfort is shared, but a lot of the discomfort is like, I'm now confined to one space. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see in places that are hit really hard if they are also checking out as many memes as places who aren't. Right. You know, like if it feels more real, you're like, this isn't fun. Uh, but if you're if you're in totally in the general discomfort and the general global anxiety, you you want to process that. Yeah, I I I mean I I think it's such a tough question. I um and such a huge question, and the line is different forever and of. of Okay, comedy is tragedy plus time. The a way I think about it is, is comedy is I, I think I just think about context or, or sort of containers or, or sort of the, the um, like environment of things. So I think comedy is something in a context that isn't funny, um, just if you recontextualize it. So um, back when I was like dating, I'm happily engaged. So please, fellow listener. <laughs> um, so, but back when I was dating, like a bad date, I'd be like, oh my goodness, this is so weird and awkward. And in my head, I'd be like, I like telling this story is going to be hilarious though. Um, you know, so it's, it's sort of like, it's awkward. Right. It's awkward. Then it's funny now or something tragic. I remember, yeah. Like all these different things of, of just random moments, uh, where I'm like, there's nothing more embarrassing than this. And it's, it's tragic and it's horrible then. And it's funny now. Um, so I sort of think of, of recontextualizing moments that happen, um, which which I, I think is awesome. Like, I think that's that's a toolkit that everyone can use, every creator and every human um, of just like, uh, of just thinking, like reframing stories uh, of, oh, this is something that was went iffy and, and actually with a little bit of like levity and whimsy and, and a different approach, it was actually kind of goofy and weird. Um, to do that. that the, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, go ahead. I was going to say that that I feel like um, a lot of times when I'm at stand-up shows, like uh, a lot of comedians who are who who are on that edge, like 
you always hear them deliver a joke and half the audience goes like, oh, and the other half starts laughing and they always go too soon, too soon, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that's a, that's an interesting thought around like the repackaging and the recontextualization of certain moments. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I find that to be really interesting. Um, totally. And, and yeah. what that line is for you and what that line is for other people. And I mean, my thought is that if, if you as a comedian have to go too soon, well, maybe yeah. like not that good of a joke. Or that's another thing. It's like, if it's a good joke that, that doesn't make fun of the victim, like who is this joke? Who's the punchline? Who are we poking fun at? If we're poking fun at the things humans do, that's so goofy or the people in charge or, or ourselves, like the comedian themselves, that's very right. different than, than, right. It's like, it's probably too soon to make fun of a victim who had like, nothing right. to do with anything uh, for a while right. like maybe right. also never um right so i think it i think there's a, a lot of different things i think when it's a global when it's, when we're experiencing something together like this when it's like this collective shared experience i think totally i think the speed that we're moving at is is the way we make sense of it is commenting on it um mm -hmm. i mean i think I think for the second, just generous shout out to your channel and your <laughs> latest video, which I am well aware wow. of, the Tiger King video. Uh, <laughs> and then your second latest, which I affectionately refer to as the latest <laughs> one. Uh, the latest one. I mean, I, I think what the what the two of you do is at your best is is you process things that are happening quickly, right? And, and often in humor. But, but comedy is like this part of our brain that helps us process things, especially things that are difficult. So it's like why we laugh in situations almost like we're scared or we're it's so awkward or you just like want to laugh. And it's like this defense mechanism against these things, right? So, so if the way that we process this global event that we're all experiencing is by commenting on it, well, one of the best ways to comment on it, one of the best ways that maybe makes sense to us and provides comfort and also reassures us that we're not alone, like one of the best things to do that is humor, is a meme, is... Um, a late night host we normally see on a beautiful stage being humbled in their house with their kids trying to write joke, you know, to read jokes from a piece of paper that their writers wrote. Up. And like the whole facade is is gone. And you're like, oh, yeah, like this is you doing all of this is helping me reflect that I am also humbled, that I'm not in an office. I'm supposed to be speaking and shooting uh, a bunch of different really fun shows right now. Right, so if I see Jimmy Fallon at home tired, barely reading jokes from a script that his writers wrote, I go, you know what, Esteban, you're hanging in there, buddy. Like that's right. okay, keep doing it. And it and that to me is better than maybe the the way that I work is better than if someone were just to like say that, you know, like if I were just to pull up a camera of some like if I were just to pull up a video of someone who just is like, hey, you got it, believe in yourself. I'd be like, all right, whatever. Uh, but right. in a way, like everything Jimmy Fallon is doing and Stephen Colbert and these people is like, hey, you got it. We're also trying. We're all doing our best. I think what's fun about comedy in the quarantine era is that everything has been renewed. Like there were, of course, dating jokes pre-quarantine. But now you get dating jokes, quarantine edition. You get, you know, cooking, quarantine edition. You get like having kids comedy, quarantine edition. It's just like every single type of comedy has been fully renewed because of this lens that's on it. Yeah, that's so true. It's such a it's such a gift to to see people's perspective, right? It's like if you really like John Mulaney is a great stand up. If you like the way that he thinks about things, um, we've yeah, 
he's commented on how he lives his life for like six stand-up specials. <laughs> totally. It's like all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. He's going to have a bunch of really interesting, delightful, unexpected jokes about being quarantined because his mind works that way. And he's developed that really unique voice. And you're like, that's super exciting. Right. Totally. His, his next special was also probably going to be about him being almost 40 and in a relationship and, you know, not wanting kids and things that he's great at and, and does a brilliant job telling jokes about. But yeah, but there's a fun thing of like, oh, this is a challenge. Like, I, I want to see how your brain processes all of this. Yeah. Like for anyone who provides commentary on their own life for a living, i.e. comedians, like it's a renaissance right now. Like it's just a whole nother reason to get up in the morning and create and, and provide commentary and do what you do. Do, do you, uh, so I have a couple thoughts on that. One, I, th I wonder if we're going to see a stand-up special from quarantine. Um, Cause that would be so interesting if someone could write 30 minutes of material about this during this um, would be fascinating. Uh, but I'm curious, Esteban, if you feel a certain level um, of pressure right now as a as an entertainer and as a comedian to create um, because of the circumstance and because of the situation. Yeah. Um, um, I'm curious about that. Great question. First off, there there's an amazing special by Maria Bamford uh, that was released a few years ago where she just does stand up in front of her parents like her real life parents in her living room. And it's oh, hilarious man. and weird really and funny. often. <laughs> Maria Bamford is, is a great comedian who just does all sorts of like amazingly creative things. Uh, but yeah, but total, that's a, such a fun thought of, of, of a special around quarantine and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the question about pressure is a huge question. Um, and the short answer is yes. Um, the long answer is yes, classic, classic comedy. If you guys catch that, thank you so much. Um, nope, didn't nope. <laughs> catch it, but totally I hope someone it. in the audience, yeah, missed it. Oh, because um, I said the short answer is, is yes, and then the long answer, oh, and then I said wow. yes, longer. Wow. You, this that's, is... uh, yeah, I mean, that's too evolved for my sense of humor, <laughs> as, yeah. as Colin knows. The type of stuff that I laugh yeah. at is, uh, is not as sophisticated as that. Yeah, that that's fine. Do you know what Samir finds funny? Like, have you guys <laughs> really gotten into that? Uh, well, not not that last joke is pretty clear. Become... <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a strong joke, but the silence is definitely. <laughs> yeah, let's blame it. Let's blame it on the way that we're all doing this podcast right now. Let's blame yeah, it on Zencaster. Yeah, yeah oh, there was if... probably a yeah, there was probably a different way Listen, to deliver that. You hear yeah. crickets during this podcast? You blame it on Zencaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we yeah. were in person, the two of you would be standing ovation right now. It'd be it must have been a buffering issue, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, right. to, to, to go back to go back to the question, uh, the sh I do feel pressure. Um, I am allowing myself not to feel a crazy amount of pressure. I'm allowing myself uh, space to think about what I want to do and and think about where to go and um, notice different things. I also feel a weird pressure though is because I I haven't focused that much on online stuff, which is another conversation but it is um so I, so I feel behind in a lot of different ways already right so then I, I think when I have this moment I go great I'm doing less in-person things and more online stuff that's fun this is a really great gift and then I like feel overwhelmed um at the ability to turn out things or, or I just like I'm, I'm still sort of learning the ropes of, of different online things which is goofy um 
And yeah, so I, I think I'm just seeing what feels fun and doing that. I said I think and um a lot during those last 60 seconds. So just re-listen right. to those, but then yeah. think I'm smart. If you could do that, <laughs> that'd be wonderful. Uh, yeah, I think it's tough. Do you guys feel pressure? The two of you are, are churning out content. Yeah. I think it's a mix. I think there's a mix because like there's, I mean, I'll speak, you know, on my, my personal thought is at first, I think I felt a lot more uh, like opportunity and, and a certain pressure of like, oh man, like we gotta, we gotta do as much as possible. Like now's our opportunity. Um, but over time, it's kind of just like it, it's sinking into just what is immediately interesting and fun and, um, you know, not trying to, to go too crazy with it. Um, I, I, we've been working a lot over the past couple of weeks. So I do kind of want to just sit back and experience what's happening right now. Um, and I think some of the best creativity is coming out of people who aren't necessarily trying to put up something every day, but who are really thoughtful around creating something that is, is, is a part of the collective experience. Yeah. So one thing I, I mean, one person that I really um, admire, and a lot of this is, you know, Colin, um, you know, kind of making me very aware of, of how funny he is, uh, is John Mayer. Um, (laughs) I really admire his ability to create things that, that I think connect at scale with a lot of people. Um, he said something, I went to one of his concerts one time and he said something similar to what you were talking about, Esteban, but he said, I I try and write lyrics that make one person say, wow, I can't believe someone else feels like that. Um, and that's like, that's so cool. And I think his, when he's funny uh, and when he, when he's like comedic on his Instagram, I think he's similar, uh, in that vein. Yeah. Uh, and, And he's very thoughtful. Like he doesn't put out a ton of stuff, but when he does it, it's like so meaningful. Like, I don't and it's so funny. Um, so I really admire people who are who are taking their time to put out uh, meaningful pieces of content, and I, I try and drive more inspiration. That um, you know, if you do put out something that that's meaningful, it can be more impactful than just trying to put out something every day. Yeah. Um, so you, you haven't know. liked my daily series, I take it. Well, you know. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I I love that, and and I I absolutely love that quote. That that's like yeah. to make someone else feel like they're. They're, they're like, you get it. I'm not alone. I, 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 uh, I, w- I was lucky enough a, a few years ago when I, I was at the University of Illinois, I uh, helped co-write this book on creativity. Um, and in it, we talked about this idea of the creative pause. The creative pause is some researchers a little bit ago studied why we get good ideas in the shower. They were like, why? Like when we're asking people, where are you creative? Where do you come up with your ideas? Why is it the shower? Um, or or the car or these different things and what they found is so often of our life we're like running from you know from a to b so often we're, we're running around frantically and and especially now with phones right so it's like if i'm waiting anywhere i'm just on my phone scrolling that these are like certain places specifically a shower where it's like you can't do anything but sit there and think like you're just sort of scrubbing and you're just thinking and there's no phone and there's no thing there's no task to distract you um and I love this idea. And then they found this, this thing of the creative pause. What it allows is your subconscious to make different connections that normally it wouldn't. And, and all these really wonderful, beautiful benefits for like your like own sanity and for your health and also for creativity. And I think there's something beautiful. Again, it's like if you reframe and, and acknowledging the, the ridiculous privilege of, of uh, if you aren't too, you know, 
like deeply worried about this or it hasn't affected you or, or, or in, in too big of ways, right? So acknowledging that privilege. Um, I think it's like, this is this time for a creative pause where we get to stop. And I think that's sort of what happened with me is, is I, man, I was running and going, I had all these, I had like, whatever, 50 speaking gigs this year and had all these different comedy shows and was had like, I remember checking on my schedule and you guys were going to be in New York. Cause I had a bunch of comedy. Shows I think, in New York. yeah, I had like, a, what? I had a calendar invite yeah. to your comedy show. Uh, <laughs> like last oh, no, no, no. April 2nd. Yeah. Last, last Thursday. Yeah. Like I had all yeah. these different things and I had all these meetings for these shows that now are, you know, of course are postponed. And, and I think I haven't stopped. And, and even though I like wrote about this, right. I have a, freaking chapter being like the creative pause and like how do we build in more moments with uh and all these different things i think it's it's been beautiful to experience that and be like oh yeah like i can stop and think about what i want to do next and what makes sense and what is really exciting and to me and like feels challenging but but like a like an excited challenge uh and what feels exhausting what feels super tiring to me so i think there there's a lot of perspective to think about this whole thing but i think harnessing and, and think about that creative pause of like oh yeah our mind can actually take a moment and think about what we're doing next and what we want to do and i think that's that's like a huge gift um if you think about it in that way totally i mean colin and i were just talking about boredom um recently and how like rare it is for us to experience boredom um and how it it's something that can really yield a lot of creativity yeah. Is it like fi finally for a moment, like your mind wanders. Totally. Yeah. There, there's that book of thank you for being late by Thomas Friedman. Um, and he, it's a bunch of different things and it's way more complicated, but the, the, uh, the title, which thank you for being late is a great title. And it's about like a friend arrived for lunch and I think he had forgotten his phone or something like that. And Thomas Friedman just sat there in like a, like a restaurant for 15 minutes and he was like, that was the best part of my day. Like no phone, no nothing, just waiting for his friend to arrive. And he's like, I haven't done this for a while. Thomas Friedman's like ridiculously accomplished economist and writer. You know, like he's has four assistants scheduling every moment. And he's like, oh my goodness, I just sat and wrote this book. Uh, and again, it's like more than this concept, but yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I was like, this dude was so moved. By sitting for 15 minutes, but like one of the greatest intellectual minds alive. I must write about this. Have you considered boredom? And we're like, right. Tommy Friedman. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, That's it's true. so interesting, though. Sometimes it is so tough because the internet offers this infinite scroll, this infinite possibility. And I, I sometimes I have a really tough time going to bed at night because I look for a lot of inspiration for our videos online and on social media and things because they're obviously based off of you know, cultural trends. Um, and I just want to keep watching and keep watching to find something that'll hook me uh, so that I can have a conversation with Samir about it. But it's so true. Sometimes my best ideas where I literally can't stop writing in my notes app or uh, I guess uh, are like two or three in the morning when I can't get to sleep and I haven't been consuming any content. So it's definitely true. Like sometimes you got, I have to like remember to take myself a step back and like give yourself that, that space to be bored. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So I, I think, uh, you know, I want to get to this Panama jungle story, uh, Esteban, because it's kind of the, uh, it feels like uh, we've been really keeping people on on the edge of their seats on this jungle. Yeah, thing. Colin is uh, angrily but, texting yeah, me. Yeah, I can, I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I also wanted to talk about, you know, you know, being, I, I think, um, 
between you know all of us like both writing our own material but then also like working with other people uh and and uh you know performing material uh for other people is a really interesting experience as well and you recently uh went went on a trip with a pretty major brand uh which i was so excited uh, to hear about this but you had a pretty funny story about uh pronunciation. Uh, (laughs) And I wanted to ask Colin how he would say it. So maybe you can preface or maybe I can preface it. Yeah, Colin, I I got this really fun travel show with the car brand. And I'd I'd love for your insight on it. It's it's the car brand H-Y-U-N-D-A-I. How would you say that? Hyundai. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Is that that, is that correct? So, so why don't you tell the story? Right, well, now, you, now you're making me look bad, Colin. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I'm going to tell the Panama story. You don't have to publicly embarrass me. That is my goal of this podcast. <laughs> uh, so I got, this, I got this amazing, it's this super awesome travel show on sustainability. Uh, it was supposed to be coming out soon, but they'll probably postpone it a bit. And it's just, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's going to be... Uh, all over online and it'll be they're gonna cut some tv spots for it it just is the best so basically i got to drive this electric car to seven national parks in two weeks and it was blast and talk to all these people about sustainability and they let me be really goofy and weird which i appreciated uh because i've worked with different people who uh just aren't as delighted in me just yelling (laughs) random things but uh so they were great so the first day uh and it's this big shoot it's I mean, there's like 13 people on this travel show. It's nuts. It's like a ton of people, fairly big budget, all these different things. And the sun is setting. Uh, and they've told me that you say the car name Hyundai. Hyundai like Sunday is what they keep saying. Uh, I grew up thinking that you always say it Hyundai. Uh, and in, I like Hyundai. Hyundai? Uh, Hyundai, yeah. H-Y-U-N-D-A-I. Right. I just I just clearly judged you, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll apologize. You can move on. Um, they told me, I don't know if this is true or they were comforting me, that they say Hyundai in Europe, Colin. So, you know what? I'm less sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, right, 13, 13 people watching me, and I'm supposed to say, hey, everyone, thanks for watching uh, the show Hyundai Highways. And I'm Esteban. We'll see you next time. And I get in the car and drive off. And the sun is setting. And I've so far have been pretty good because I'm like fairly good at my job. So they're like, all right, let's do it. Uh, and I go, hey, hey, thanks for watching Hyundai Highways. And they're like, all right, it's Hyundai. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. Shoot. Sorry about that. Uh, and they're like, all right, do it again. And I'm like, hey, thanks for watching Hyundai Highway. And then I get really in my head. So then I'm like overthinking it. And I was like, I'm... Esteban, and this is Hyundai Highways. And they're like, you sound like a robot. This is horrible. And the sun is setting. And at one point, this producer uh, goes, I like mess it up again. Like I switched the order. I was like, I was like, I'm Esteban Highways. And this is (laughs) Sunday. And the producer on the first day, we're together for 16 more days. Big budget. They chose me. Goes, come on. Throws down the script and walks away. The sun is setting. I eventually get it right. That night we have an emergency meeting in our hotel. (laughs) And they're like, we need you to understand it's Hyundai. (laughs) 
And in this meeting, I was like, of course, I know it's Hyundai. And they're like, you're not even getting it right now. So I, I remember I called my fiance and I was like, babe, I need to practice. I was like, hey, the shoot went okay. I love you. I'll talk to you later. And I sat in my hotel in my bed just going, Hyundai, Hyundai. Hyundai, just for hours. It was madness. It was absolute madness. Uh, I, I, I really love that story. I don't know. It just gets me. I just think uh, Colin and I, like earlier this year, really had our first experience kind of performing something that was written uh, in collaboration with a brand. And it was such a, and, and in front of so many people, it was such a new experience. Oh. Uh, and I think it's a really funny, like, like amount of pressure that's uh, that's there when you have to perform for a live audience for a camera. I mean, Did that's a relatively get... difficult, ambiguous word. I mean, sometimes I feel yeah. like we've had simple words, way simpler than that. And yeah. you say it so many times that by the end of it, you're like, is this English anymore? What's oh, coming out of my mouth? It, you're saying everything wrong. I remember, I remember in that, I mean, and then even the people who like, you start seeing people's faces and the people who are on your team are like concerned and like <laughs> you hear the camera person whisper something about sun. Yeah. And you're like, this is because of me. And then, and then totally, and you'll say a word, like I was like, and that's it for our road trip. And I was like, why did I say it? I've never said road like that. Why am I saying road? Road? And it was, <laughs> I just shot something oh, and it was really it was one take, and it was this video for the census. Shout out to the census for lots of census. Oh, speak. nice. Uh, and it was awesome. It was this one take thing, and it was this fun concept of just, like, me walking and doing this one take, and people ask me things. Anywho. Um, and at the end, <laughs> I was thinking, and I got into an Irish accent. Like, uh, totally not, it's not part of the character. I was just like, and remember, you can fill out the census online, and you still got time. And uh, you still got it. And I like kept saying these affirming phrases of like, don't worry, you still can do it. And it was like, kind of like starting to be Irishy. And yeah, we cut and the director's like, hey, did you, um, did you have an accent at the end? And I was like, oh no, I don't think so. Why would I do that? Why would I? It's like, I'm not messing this up. Why would I throw in an accent for fun? And he's like, let's listen to it. And there was a very clear accent. Anyhow, it was really your brain does weird things when you're under pressure. So I have a question for you. What has been your favorite uh, piece of comedy through, like during 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 this quarantine time? Has there been one person or one um, piece that you felt has really captured it in like the perfect comedic way? Oh wow, that's a good question. I want to. Oh my gosh, let me look up. Okay, there's a guy. I just found him. Um, Matt Bouchel. M-A-T-T-B-O-O-S-H-E-L-L. Um, I found him because he had a video where he was talking about brands during this time mm -hmm. of quarantine. Like, he's like, at Johnson & Johnson, we know things are tough right now. Oh, that's funny. Uh, and he, and I was, it just is so simple. It's just him talking to the camera. He's a comedian in New York. And just about everything he posts, I think, is so, is like, just, he does such a good job of, of seeing things that all of us are experiencing, which which I think is is the best comedy, right? It's like all of us are experiencing something. Comedians are the ones to say, hey, like, hey, this is a bit weird. Like, just sort of shuffle through all the noise and go, like, this is a bit odd that we're doing this. And I think I have admired and almost all his videos, and, and some are some are sillier than others, and some are like, you know, more intellectual than others, and some are just like stupid and, and hilarious. Uh, but I've admired the things that he's done that I'm like, yeah, 
you're right. That is so good. Like, thank you for illuminating that bizarre part of the life that we're living right now. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm looking at his page right now. I'm excited to check this out. What about yeah. you, Colin? What do you What do you think? Do you think there's someone from a comedic perspective that, or some piece that you feel like has really captured the moment really well? I've really enjoyed uh, Shithead Steve, the meme account. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think it's, uh, and maybe because it's been so Tiger King based and I've been so enthralled with Tiger King right now, um, but I've I've really enjoyed their content. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the meme, meme accounts are having a field day right now because memes are just so good uh, for this. It's so quick. You can like make the piece so fast. You can react to the to the moment. I feel like comedy in general has such a good media infrastructure for tragedy or for a time like this. Like to convey drama appropriately or any other type of emotion I find is very difficult. Like comedy sometimes can be a split second and it can resonate with you. But sadness, drama, all different types, uh, excitement, all different types of emotions are much harder to convey, I think, unless you have a little bit more time to sink in. But Yeah, it, it really is. You're absolutely right. Comedy is the perfect form for just a few words and like a picture. And I love, yeah. I'm looking at Shithead Steve, but all these meme pages, like bringing all the different pop, like making connections between all the mm-hmm. pop culture and all the shows and all the goofiness and all the whatever existing memes that we'd be experiencing now and what's happening um, with with quarantine and everything is just, it's awesome. I mean, I think that's also, that's that's part of, uh, if, if we go back to, to this sort of um, view of creativity, creativity, what your brain wants to do really quickly is what your brain wants to do is, is is stay down like the neural pathway, right? So there's this interesting study that said, like, if I say design a car, most people think of their own car. And even most people design a car that's red because I think often TV commercials or whatever, red cars are featured. So it's like, we're so stuck that even if I say, hey, let's come up with something new, we, our brain, just because it's our brain and wants to conserve energy, goes down these familiar pathways. So then mm. to be more creative, what you have to do is, and they call it scaffolding, like the scaffolds in a building, Right, so the scaffolds go up and there's sort of these different neural pathways and what scaffolding forces you to try to go somewhere else. So you there's there's a like you purposely try to throw something really random in. Right. So let's say like if I'm designing a car and I go, hey, design a car. You're like, OK, um, I don't know, uh, you know, like an electric car and it's red. Ugh! But if I go design a car and it is inspired by Tiger or whatever, you're like, oh, OK, well, um, the wheels are are like furry and pick up dirt and it's run on whatever right and you like start to think of these different things and and so more creative ideas actually happen when you link two things that previously weren't connected at all and that's like the neuroscience of creativity so so a lot of times people who study creativity are literally like give you a random prompt and and say like juxtapose these two things <laughs> um so i love that's like the creativity and comedy and creativity are so closely together. That's like, there's something so fun about seeing a meme about quarantine and April, you know, or the spring and the stimulus check and Tiger King. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's like bring all that and, and your brain is like, oh, yes. Like, this <laughs> is different than I thought. Uh, right. so, so there's something so fun about that. I've been really enjoying anyone who relates the office and quarantine like I, I, that to me just is really funny. Uh, and any of those meme pages that have brought in the office. Totally. Cause you're like, I already I, like this. And then it's like, you're right. bringing it to what's happening now. And it just is delightful. Right. 
Um, so, Esteban, you've lived many lives. <laughs> this is my not so seamless transition into the jungle, uh, but similar. but but one of one of which. Um, you know, to go alongside of kind of, uh, you, you know, the, like the doing di different types of entertainment. Um, one of which was you were on a show um, with Viceland yeah. uh, in the jungle. And I'm going to let you tell, take the story from here. Um, Cause it's, it, it seems like such an interesting part of your story and such an interesting experience to have uh, when it comes to entertainment. So I'll let you, uh, I'll let you yeah. tell this one. In a, in a in a strange life, it may be up there for the strangest. And Colin, your time has come. Thank you so much. Excellent. This is exciting. You can stop tweeting me. I will hold back. Start the story. <laughs> from, my, from a public shaming that I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so so basically, it, it, it was uh, 2016, I believe. Oh my goodness. But I was, uh, I was gone out of a relationship had moved from where I was teaching in Champaign, Illinois, ow, uh, to <laughs> Chicago and was touring as a, a stand-up, which was super fun. So I was going to a bunch of the, these different comedy clubs and like being the feature act or in super small comedy clubs, um, headlining, what's up, Danville, Illinois? I'm coming back for you, baby. Uh, <laughs> and, and I was also doing a bunch of comedy at colleges and, and starting to speak in high schools and stuff. Anywho, so I'm on the road a lot uh, and I get very depressed um, so I make this list. I remember I was in a hotel and I made this list and I go, what do I want right now? Uh, like what feels good? And, uh, I'd been like indoors all day and, and right. I'd stay up late and I'd sleep in. So I wrote outdoors. I wrote community cause I was really by myself for, for almost all of this and sort of community. And I, I wanted like a healthy environment. I was mostly eating, um, like comedy club food, uh, which is mostly chicken tenders. It's <laughs> like it uh for lunch and dinner and second dinner um so so i literally found this place on google uh and this place is called kaliyala kaliyala is a built as the world's most sustainable town it is in the jungles of panama like literally the jungles of panama you go from the airport you drive three hours into the rural community you stop at a town called san miguel in San Miguel, you hike three miles. There is no, there's not a road. Uh, you hike three miles into the jungle and you end up at the Tres Brazos Valley, which is uh, three different rivers come together. And there you will find a bunch of white people. Uh, there <laughs> it is. There's this community and, and building the world's most sustainable town there and, and just like this eco village, eco community. So I went and I had previously, I'd gotten my master's in, in entertainment uh, and had done some teaching stuff, right? So I'd, this is where I, I was saying I'd done some teaching things and then went into entertainment. And then and then here I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to education stuff. So I go and I go, hey, I'm, uh, I've taught and I wrote this book and I did these different things. And they're like, cool, come down and run our education program. So I come down and I run this education program where like students from all over the world come for a semester, almost like a study abroad and stay there. Uh, and then, and then I, I work my way up and soon I'm president of the Kaliala Institute uh, and it's grown by a lot. So now there are like a hundred students, uh, there's like 200 people in this town uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm running it, which uh, is a lot of power for a 24 year old, 25 year old, but I'm ready for it. Um, kneel before your king, Zion. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, so this happens, and then the the guy running the the community is this guy Jimmy Stice, uh, and and him and I go to these different conferences, and I still have some like entertainment connections. Um, so Jimmy goes and he meets this woman named Andy Timoner, and she is a Sundance Award winning director. She's won Sundance twice. She did uh, a bunch of documentaries. She's incredible. So she comes down. We meet and we like have mutual entertainment friends and she's like, oh, you know, entertainment stuff is really interesting. So we go and we pitch the show to Vice. Vice, uh, Viceland is launching. So they're like, we'll buy it. Uh, go to their office in Brooklyn. And I don't know, it, it's probably changed, but it was so vicey. It was amazing. They had a bartender on staff there. <laughs> Our meeting was at 10 a.m. and the bartender was sitting there doing nothing except rubbing his mustache. This is true. Uh, and like a thin mustache, you can picture it. Whatever you have in your mind, that's it. You're right. That's the vice part. <laughs> so we go, and this is what's insane. I mean, now I'm like actively shopping around other TV shows and stuff like that. But it was so easy. They're like, yeah, we'll do it. And Spike Jones, like the director of Her and everything, is the president of, of Jungle Town. He's like, we'll do it. We're in. So he becomes an executive producer on the show. So then for three months, cameras follow us around in the jungle and i suppose i should have seen this coming but they painted a, a little bit like of a cult like a little <laughs> culty uh because i have a lot of decision making power and and you know so it's like like we're running low on food and i'm like oh i go to the chefs who's cooking for 200 people and it's all sustainable it's all from our farm and i'm like hey well, let's you know lower the portions a little bit just until we go to the next run and the, that gets really dramatized and i was like i'm not saying don't eat i'm just <laughs> eat less it's totally different wording um and it's insane man so i live i literally live in this tent uh for like a year and a half and then after, <laughs> it was the weirdest time ever i was there i was like away from internet there was like you could only do very basic messaging in like and you had to stand in a certain corner to reach it was just absolute madness literally off the grid like literally uh for yeah for like this year and a half we're in this crazy community and then moved to la so the show was coming out uh this is also for creators uh there's no big break move to la tv show in hand uh, i remember vice was throwing a 420 party which is on my birthday um in 420 apparently you smoke a lot of weed then vice was like yeah <laughs> and they're like this is who we are uh, and the show had premiered two weeks before then, and it premiered on A&E and like a bunch of people that Vice, Vice's parent company or whatever owned. Like it was premiered on all these networks. It did well on none of them. I was supposed to speak that day. They knew it was my birth, like people organizing it, right? And I was supposed to like speak and they were supposed to get me a car and everything. And then <laughs> like three days before they're like, hey, we're not getting you a car. And then I'm like, okay, that's okay. I'll still go. I go and uh, I'm off the list of speakers. Uh, and then the show does poorly. It has a small following and disloyal. And, uh, and that's it. And that's occasionally I'll walk around and someone will go, hey, Jungle Town. And they'll know. They'll remember <laughs> the show. But it's still out. It's Viceland. If you like, like nerdy, environmental uh, reality TV shows that also are very dramatic, you'll dig it. I remember this the meeting in the room, I was like, there is no villain. The villain is the existential threat of climate change and apathy. And I gave this freaking like Aaron Sorkin speech. People were loving it. <laughs> and then it comes out and they're like, no, you are the villain. No, I'm not like, <laughs> the villain, but, 
the guy Jimmy, who's running the town, who's like a good dude, is they like they're like, who's this guy? Who's the founder? And like a rich kid from Atlanta, and they just it just is it's absolutely insane. Uh, so yeah, so that's I, I moved. To I LA. just love <laughs> yeah, I, I just love that when you're in this career, whatever this career is that we're all in, uh, that you you have all these like crazy stories that. I feel like people can't imagine the lives that we live um, in these in this type of career. You know, yeah. it's just like you're, you're swinging from branch to branch and going like in all these different directions just to find what does it mean to be a professional storyteller? You know what I mean? I think it's it's such a fascinating um, career and, and everyone in this career has so many fascinating stories. And I felt like when, when I heard that about you, I was so amazed by it. Like so you were in like a Spike Jones produced Viceland reality show that I just had no idea. And I was like, that is so just this career. Yeah. Like I, I, there's times where Colin and I look at each other and we're like, is this, what is happening? Like, what are we, what's, what's going on right now? Uh, Like, why are we the guys that are here? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then you just swing to another branch and it leads you to another place. And it's so weird. Um, It it feels like it's different. I don't know for you guys. I'm actually curious, but it, it feels like it's like different parts of me. Like I, have so much trouble empathizing with the Esteban who was in the jungle. But I, dude, I woke up every day so early and I had like, and I, and I'd walk over and I'd put the mic on and I had my own. Cause there was a few of the main characters. Like I had my own two camera people who I like just knew super well. And like, and I was like, I can't, I can't even imagine that the person I'm sitting here recording this is that same person from literally like two and a half, three years ago, not that long right. ago. And I'm right. And I like, I'm just like, how, how is that also me? <laughs> like, it just is, it just is these different parts of you and these different parts of, of who you are. And, and like, not only, not even the stories you tell the stories you're living, like I'm telling a different story and I'm living a different story. And it just is, it just is madness. So I, I have, so thank you for telling the jungle story. Uh, I just think that's, that's fantastic. Um, Colin, did you know that about Esteban, that he was on a reality I, show I, produced by I Spike did, Jones? I did not, but all I was thinking about, Esteban, when you were telling that story, was Documentary Now, their episode on Vice. Have you seen it? Oh, my gosh. I I think so. I've seen some, uh, some good Vice parodies, but I want to... Yeah. What, what, what do they call it, Colin? <laughs> what do they call Vice? Uh, drones. 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 And uh, I forget, I forget who it was, but there was some comedian who was like, and then you have Vice who just sends their local barista down to like, <laughs> down to, like I don't know, like under like a drug infested yeah. area in Mexico or something. I think it was uh, like Seth Meyers at his uh, so good. Uh, correspondence dinner. Dude. Like he was running through all the different media outlets and he's like, and then you have Vice. He's like, they'll oh, just send so- your local. Oh no, it was, uh, it was, it was Hassan Minhaj who was like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, then you got Vice. They'll just send your local barista to like <laughs> live under like a, really a dictator's good. like a dictator's regime. They don't care at all. But, yeah, it, that's really good. Vice has shifted so. a bit, but when I was there, it was so you know at the, at the beginning of the episode. Look at this coming full circle. It's talking about comedy or or stories that that pull us apart and and say, oh, that person's really different than you, and, and stories or comedy that brings us together. Uh, Vice is definitely when we went there, they were, they were actively trying to change, but they were like, they loved stories that brought us apart. They're like, what's that? Babies who are addicted to cigarettes. Yeah. We're filming that today. Like it was just like weird parts of humanity 
who who you're like, I feel like there's a responsibility as a storyteller that you're shaping people's perceptions of themselves and the world around them. And they were, yeah, they were just delighted. They're like, there's a man who's mentally ill, who's building a big hole in his backyard. Yep. Four cameras. Let's do it. Yeah, like, right. I, I remember a vice video, I think was titled, we went to a kid rock concert. So you don't have to. And I was yeah. like, I, I don't know if this is like journalism. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, why don't you leave these people alone? Like, also, they they wanted to go to a Kid Rock concert. Yeah. Like, let them be. Yeah. Also, the alternative was if they wouldn't have recorded that, we would have all had to go, which I do appreciate. <laughs> that. Like, yeah, so you didn't have to. As Thanks. you've heard, yeah, the I national know. mandate, we must all attend <laughs> Kid Rock concert. Yeah. I was feeling a real obligation. Yeah. The obligation yeah. I was feeling to buy a ticket and go to that Kid Rock concert, so... Thankfully, Vice did it for me. 19-year-old named Jeremy with a rich dad went for me. Oh, this is a mess. (laughs) Thank you, journalist Jeremy. Yeah. Um, So, Esteban, one of my my favorite things that you wrote down in in the notes about this podcast was about um, comedy being used to deliver a message and and how comedy is one of the most effective ways to deliver a message. Uh, and I find it really interesting at this time for me, and, and this might be different for you guys, but I'm curious. I really enjoy getting my news from the late night hosts. And specifically, I really enjoy that John Oliver is still um, uploading uh, his show. I think he's like the, the best intersection of comedy and information for me right now. And it, it really does make everything more digestible than just flipping on CNN or, or any of the other news outlets that might make it feel a little bit more scary. Um, so although it might be the same information at the core, the delivery mechanism is, is what's you know, most important. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting point that you said that comedy becomes essential here during these hectic times because it's the ability to deliver a message in like almost a softer and more digestible way. Um, so curious your guys' you know, takes on, on who's delivering messaging the best or who you are turning to to get your information right now. Yeah, I, man, I, I love, I, I just think that that concept is, is so interesting. Like I think every comedian, like you're only a comedian if you are just constantly searching for bullshit and calling it out. <laughs> you know, so I think it's like, Comedians hone that. Like I, I remember sitting down with Colin Jost, who's actually on Weekend Update, which is an amazing uh, source of news. And I got to do some shows um, together a little bit ago. But he, I was like, we were talking about jokes, and he said the 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 phrase "word economy," and he was and he was like, "Word economy." Like he's like, say as much as possible with as little as possible. Like comedians are just obsessed with delivering information um, and calling bullshit and like finding truth which makes them incredibly good at situations like this where there is a lot of bullshit and there's, and people like can't agree on truth, right? So much of, of setup punchline relies that setup is based on some sort of truth that we can all agree on and people can't do this. So we often have to like, uh, like establish what truth is. And you also just need someone who's like, I like, I'm calling out the man. This is insane. Or this is goofy. And I love John Oliver does such an incredible job of doing all of those. And if you look at John Oliver, it's like, he is silly and there's levity and whimsy, but he's also like frustrated. He's angry. Right. And, and I think we've been talking about Jimmy Fallon and, and I think he's, he's okay. I, like, I just think he, he was just someone we've been talking about, but I, 
I like love that John Oliver comes in. And I think this is me. It's like, I hope I'm always like generous and, and, and warm and gregarious. But I also hope that like people feel that sometimes I feel like there's a freaking urgency to do things or communicate these ideas. And John Oliver captures that urgency right. in an amazing way. I think that's like, I'm like, I look at him, I go, oh, that's how I should be when I feel frustrated is that that is that's what useful frustration looks like um comedically through a comedic lens so i think john lambert is is an amazing job i mean yeah i think a lot of the hosts i i really like stephen colbert i think he also captures um maybe some of the frustration and some of the like what the heck in a in a really great job i just think anyone like any comedian right now who thinks a lot about parsing through all like the unnecessary things and saying exactly what is like exact exactly what is true exactly what we should be thinking about does it is doing something really important yeah I, yeah i mean I, I i uh i i love colin jost by the way i love that you brought him up and, and weekend update and um just like the, the, again for me it's like it's so much softer to turn to the comedians uh to understand what's happening and so much less scary and just feels like, Oh, this is, you know, this is, this is what's happening, but it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Communities uh, I think also yeah. lo- think a lot about um, tension and release. So I think if I tell you something difficult, mm-hmm. I have been trained for whatever, six, seven, eight years of, of standup, which isn't that much considering everything um, and considering most comedians. It's like, I've been trained to, if I give you something tough to swallow or something difficult, I'm immediately following that with a release with a joke right so cnn anchor doesn't have the new like doesn't have the the details of the emotional nuances of delivering bad news of saying hey things are about right. to get tough like and and that's okay and i think that works for certain people i think for people like us i think for creators i think for people who who sort of think a lot about stories comedians like a joke is a, is a mini story there is there's you go through this narrative arc so i think a ton about release intention release intention release intention and i think um I think like there's amazing journalists. I listen to the Daily and the New, the New York Times podcast and all these different things. And like sometimes I'm just like, this was just an onslaught of things that is not actionable information that just make me feel like dirt. Rather, like if you're gonna if you're gonna put this on me, at recognize the weight of that emotion and recognize that there are people who can put this weight on me, and and like flip it and release it. And, and provide like provide really relevant tough information but do it in a way that is softer that pads it with some joke or a container or an analogy or something else that helps us process it so we're not just sitting there being like oh crap that I mean that totally makes sense I, I I think the tension and release thing is something that Colin and I are working on actually actively in our storytelling um, you know when we were making a video we, we oftentimes say that, if you don't give a reference point for like a fast fat, uh, for for slow, then it's harder to contrast it with a fast-paced montage. Or if you don't give a reference point for something that's quiet, then something doesn't necessarily feel as loud. Um, so it's kind of the similar similar thought to that tension and release. If you don't create tension, then the release doesn't feel as good. Um, yeah, so that that's that's an interesting I, note, and and I think that's just you know across all storytelling, that's a good practice. Totally, I think, yeah a lot so many of the rules of comedy are, are just good storytelling rules uh and they what i love about comedy is that you get immediate feedback in front of an audience right <laughs> so like that, 
yeah, I, I, I did want to lead you to talking about some of your bombs. I would love to hear about that. Like, oh, yeah. like times where you've bombed in clubs or because it's really different for Colin and I, if we, if a video of ours bombs, it's like a very gradual experience. There's no one literally sitting right in front of us, looking at us being like, guys, that video wasn't good. Uh, like that, that experience doesn't exist in online video creation. You can bomb, but it's like, not that bad. Yeah. Like, all things considered. <laughs> I also think like, Samir, like you and I play it, you and I play it so safe. Like we never go for like the huge laugh. Like we look for, if someone chuckles or smiles a little bit, it's like, poof, job well done. Like that joke crushed. Like I love when people, when we're watching someone else watch our videos and they kind of like belly giggle a little bit. I'm like, oof, man, we are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know? Yeah, there, there is something to like, I mean, real-time feedback is the scary, if you're in, like if I'm sharing a new story and I'm in front of a crowd and it goes long, it's there's nothing worse in the world. If you like record a video and it's like kind of long, they're like, oh, I kind of lagged in that part. You're like, oh, that's okay. It is. It's also weird, Colin. You have such a good. It's like it's weird when you go up and you go, like comedian is weird because you're going up and you're like, I'm gonna make you laugh. Uh, and sometimes the audience is antagonistic. Like they're like, oh, <laughs> this person's probably not funny. And you're like, why are you resisting laughter? Like what is? Who are you that you're like laughter not for me? Like it's. Uh, dude, I have, I have bombed everywhere. Uh, do you, I mean, do you remember earlier the short answer, long answer joke on this podcast? Mm-hmm, we don't mm-hmm. have to look we will never forget. We will never forget. Never that. forget. Yeah, never forget. Yeah. And it's so, in, I had merch. I was going to drop it right after this podcast. I was going to say <laughs> long answer, short answer is seen on Colin and Samir's podcast. And now <laughs> just going to have to, you know, send it to a, a country like they do with the Super Bowl winner shirts. Right. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing as a, as a emerging comedian, um, I took a lot of really bad shows. So I, <laughs> so I remember this was one of the, I took a show at a Freemason Lodge, um, which was incredible. Uh, and here is what's also bad is, is that there, I think the deal was they're like, we'll give you $200 um, if you do an hour of comedy. And I like did not have an hour. Uh, but I was like, yes, of course. So I go and I go to like the middle of Indiana, a Freemason lodge, um, which is just people who couldn't get into the Rotary Club. Burn. That's some Freemason humor. Um, <laughs> and slam. I just slam. And then <laughs> you just have to talk. And then there's waves like people at the beginning are excited and you use your best material. And then you you like then start hitting some road bumps and people are, aren't liking it. And then you look at your watch and you realize you're like 18 minutes in, <laughs> you need 42 more minutes. Uh, <laughs> so there's, there's been that there's been, there's been people. Um, I remember I was doing standup at, I think it was in St. Louis and it wasn't going well. And there was like an older woman in front who was like covering her eyes. Um, and I go, Oh, you like, you're embarrassed. Uh, and she said something like, she's like, I'm just thinking about uh, what your mom would say or something like that. Like, she's like, I'm just thinking if like I were your mother, you'd be, this would be so embarrassing for you. And I was like, what? Uh, so she disowned me. It was very little mother <laughs> disowning. It was very, yeah. Uh, yeah. It just has been, it's been tough, man. It's been, 
and then I you... don't think I'd be able to handle that. I think I'd be like, I'd be like immediately think of my own mom and be like, oh, you're right. Like, you, you kind of look like her. Like, this, what I, I'm just listening to everyone. This is not the career path for me. I got way off track. Uh, I apologize. I'm going back to the jungle. Um, yeah, I'm going to go back to the jungle. Carry on with your life. Yeah, there, there is the longer sets that go poorly uh, are tough. I think also, man, there, there just is so many. You, you like get excited about a joke and you do it and it, it doesn't go well. Uh, I, there's different heckles. Like people have tried to act of, you know, have been like, not good. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just oh. like, all right. That one's tough. Someone yeah. screaming, not good. Not yeah. good. Yeah. And, yeah, like, and then you have really to like tough. go with it, right? Like you have to, like, you can't lose your cool. The, the, the audience always, the audience reflects your emotional state. So if I ever lose my cool, the audience is like, he's nervous, I'm nervous, right? So someone has to, this is what's also goofy, go, not good. And you have to be like, all right, sir. Thank you for, like, didn't know that we were just going to yell. All right, I'm going <laughs> to keep saying this joke so the short answer is yes and then you go to your next joke that you know always hits um but it just dude it is i this is i I, in in the hbo show crashing pete holmes plays this comedian and john mulaney's on it this is my second john mulaney reference and he uh and he says a thing that i think about all the time that that he's about to go on stage uh, and he goes i hate it i hate it so much this is the only thing that i like and i hate it uh and that is how i feel but before every stand-up show and honestly before every like when i like a few days ago when i recorded that census video that was one take i loved it and it was so much fun it was like you know at the end of the day i I feel so lucky and grateful to do this work and it just is the best but also the seconds before people were like people depended on me to be funny and remember lines and improvise a little and do all the things i was like i hate this i hate this this is this is the only thing i've ever wanted in my life and i hate it (laughs) yeah i uh i can absolutely connect with that emotion which is which is funny and again another i think circumstance of just this like this this career path that we are all uh pursuing so yeah, yeah. You're, you're so grateful and it is truly the best. And I'm I'm like half the time just energized at, at the future and the things I'm creating and the people I'm surrounded by, like the two of you, and it just is the best. And, and then half the time I'm exhausted and or just like this, I did this. I was teaching right. and there was a salary and there were job hours and I got home <laughs> and there was more work to do and I wasn't scrolling through Instagram at 2am because that is kind of my job and I need to search for the next idea like yeah this is totally. well you know at least we're all here in a uh, in, in the uh, the kind of reset period of uh, or what was it called oh the creative pause the creative I really pause. like that yeah Thanks. we're all here in the uh, in the creative pause and and get to kind of uh, reevaluate and, and rethink um, everything, and you can you can start by rethinking that um, long answer joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's mostly what this time has been dedicated. Yeah, yeah. I, um, but yeah. Uh, oh, go, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you. Well, go. I was I was get, well I was going to wrap things up. So you better you better yeah. pop in. You better before come I, come with something you, good. You, okay. Come with something good because I was about to uh, yeah I was about to do it's, my wrap up. Your time is limited. That's <laughs> <laughs> this field, this is taking me back to that St. Louis comedy club. 
Not good. Not good. We're about to wrap up the podcast episode. I'm like, sir, I'm not even on a pod. I'm on a stage. Uh, no, what, what I was going to say is I was going to end more positively than I, than, than me just saying I hate it and yelling that in the mic. What I was going to say is, is, uh, people, people ask, people ask a lot of times, uh, about me, especially cause I, I was, uh, and still struggle with, with all sorts of anxiety and, and depression and all the different things. Right. And they go like, Oh, comedians, why does this, why is this maybe a thing that inflicts more comedians than others? And I, I think the gift of being a comedian is, is, is what we've talked about this entire time that we get to um, comment and, and actively narrate and, and sort of rewrite certain stories in our life and, and of the human condition. Like we're, we're people, storytellers of all types are people who observe and, and analyze and reflect and refine, refine and, and do other things for, for the human condition. And, and, and humans are happy and humans are sad and, and like a lot of times the human condition in, in our lives are, are, have lows. And I think even in those lows, what an incredible gift to think about the fact that we can choose the stories we tell from those moments and that those moments are critical in the story of our lives and the stories that we will tell in the future. So I just think even in those moments where I go, I hate this, even in that, I go, how beautiful that what I get to do is take this moment maybe of anxiety or frustration and, and recontextualize it later and maybe make someone smile or make someone feel less alone. So storytellers, I just like hats off to everyone doing that and creating, because especially in this time, we need people to do that and, and, and tell stories that matter, especially now. There we go. That felt like that was amazing. Right. That's what yeah, we wanted out felt- of you. That's what we were looking for. It only took you an know? hour, but I finally <laughs> said something of substance. Right. We're just going to clip that part out and it, <laughs> the whole podcast will just be about 90 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, thanks. So, hey, thanks but, so much for having me. This was, yeah, thanks. This thanks was for joining, man. For, uh, this, is, this is awesome. Thanks for streaming it's, with us, you know? Yeah. It's, it's fun to, to still be able to have these conversations and, um, you know, to try and, and, and kind of go on, um, you know, as best we can and share our own collective experience during this time, um, you know, through things like this, like a long form conversation or some of the short Instagram videos that you've been doing. Uh, if you guys want to watch those, you can follow Esteban on Instagram at real Esteban Gast, uh, as opposed to fake. Uh, was that correct? Uh, do not follow fake Esteban Gast. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy. This. Yeah, yeah. My, my specific, one of my favorites from Esteban on Instagram, if you can scroll back and see it, it says Ty Lopez um, impersonation, which really just gets me every time. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to make Definitely. more. Yeah, I, I would love some more uh, impression and impersonation videos. Those are hilarious. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate um, it. And, and by the way, if you want to see their latest video, which you <laughs> and I and everyone here know it's their latest, it's the Tiger King one, of course. Right. Of Depending course. On <laughs> of course. Depending on when you're listening to this. Yeah. Uh, but at this moment, in this moment, that's the one. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you enjoyed that conversation with Esteban Gast. If you want to check out Esteban on Instagram, I would highly recommend it. It's at Real Esteban Gast. I'm curious how it sounded, as well as just any other feedback on what it's like to listen to an episode that was recorded digitally. Make sure to check out our latest episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to this podcast 
Leave us a voice message on Anchor. We love getting those. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.